I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Before I dismiss anybody, I want to have a quick prayer. I just got a message from Sister Laura Jackson. And I want to pray for her. Also, Sister Kay Wesley has an infection on one side of her body. Her head's all swollen. What was it? Sister Roxanne. She almost died last year. The same thing. And uh, her lymph nodes, yes. She's continued fighting. She, she is a, uh, she's a troop. She's a fight, fighting lady. She's just a, a wonderful lady of God. We love her. And I want to pray for her and also Sister Laura Jackson. Continue to pray for the Caldwell family. Uh, and the Lord knows that issue. And Sister, uh, Sister Cassie and Sister Whitney and their family. And praying that the Lord touch their hearts and their minds. Amen. Let's do that really quick before we dismiss. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your healing and your your power and your authority, Lord, knowing that you're able, that you're more than capable of doing more and exceeding above anything that we could ever ask. Lord, help us not to look at our situation and become depressed simply because we think that you cannot do something. Lord, we know that you're a healer. We praise you and we thank you for your ability and your great power and your anointing. We pray that you would touch Laura Jackson, that you would touch her body, touch her mind. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would put blessings on her. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And also, uh, I, I failed to, uh, to say this. Uh, uh, Brother uh, Diego, uh, he was going to come this morning. He ended up sick. I think he's got pink eye. Leanne's got pink eye, and uh, it's a, a a bad a bad thing. Is that an embarrassing thing? Did I say something wrong? Is it? Well, they both got pink eye. I've never had pink eye since I was an adult. I didn't know that. But okay. Anyway, we just need to pray for him and. Uh, Yesterday, I came up here and actually Diego was at church. He didn't have pink eye yesterday when he was here. But he was here and he was up in the baptismal tank washing it, fixing it. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting this baptismal tank for my, ready for myself. This is a... This is a band that was raised Catholic and didn't understand uh, us. And the Lord is doing great things. I'm not at liberty to say, but the Lord is working in their family and doing great things. And I'm very thankful for that. You, y'all can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing for so long. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Next Sunday morning, uh, we have a missionary coming in the morning.
And then uh, this, that night, uh, we are having a, a communion service. Uh, for years, our church, we'd, we'd done communion uh, around Christmas or after Christmas and the New Year's. And uh, sometimes you do things and you, it becomes a traditional thing and you do them and... Uh, now, I, I I didn't do them for do that for a while because I'd heard somebody make the statement it's kind of become just a habit and I don't like that I don't like that but uh, I, I I thought you know it makes more sense to do communion around Easter and the Bible didn't say how many times we had to do it or when to do it He said as often as you do it uh, you uh, that you think of Him and so we're going to do that uh, in the this this coming Sunday, if you don't agree or like that or anything, that you don't have to do that, and, and uh, but it's 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 a good thing, and uh, so I, this morning you may be seated. Um, I'm used to Brother Jonathan coming up here and immediately taking it, and and uh, he's he's dealing with the youth and uh, working with the youth right now, so he's he's doing that. I come this morning, I have no scripture text, and I, I had absolutely no uh, uh, no title, and uh, I find that interesting when that happens to me. I get all been out of shape and sick feeling because I don't like not having my notes. Matter of fact, I got it when I got up today, I had my note, my pad, and I got messages in it that I, I can lean back on, and I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to leave it. At my house, because I'm not going to be tempted to grab it, because sometimes we, we we gravitate towards the things that that are uh, we're comfortable in, and I don't like not having notes. I don't like not having. I don't like it at all. But I felt the Lord, the Lord really uh, dealing with me the last few days, and uh, then Brother Krause confirmed this morning, uh, and uh, so I'm going to. Um, I'm going to obey the Lord this morning. I did something a little lighthearted. If I don't tell you something lighthearted, there's something something's wrong with me. I, I always have to find something to laugh about. I, when I came up in the, into the uh, sound room this this uh, morning, uh, I, I told Sister Candy, I said, I don't have a title. So I just made up one on the spot. I said, matter of fact, I got a good idea. You can make up one. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if I didn't know what I was going to preach? And by the time I got up here and you or Sister uh, uh, Sister Davis made up my own title and I had to preach what was up there. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm actually tempted to, to, to do that. And what I'd like to do is, is uh, you know, we train these new preachers and get up and preach that, that we all, <laughs> it would be funny, but I probably wouldn't do it, is make up a title and they know what they're going to preach when they turn around and see it. And Sister Candy said, well, you know what I'll do? I'll make up. I'll get something in Revelations that nobody knows anything about, and you'll have to do it. So and I'd leave that up to Sister Candy or Sister Davis to do something like that to me. But this morning, I, I have uh, I've, uh, I've been toying with something in my heart and my spirit, and I, I fell under... Uh, a conviction about something, and um, I, I just I just want to give you my heart this morning of of what 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 what's going through my heart my mind, and so I, I know that you probably get tired of hearing it, but um, having to deal with my mother's 
my mother's sickness. And I see, I've never I've never had that. I'm very fortunate. I want to use the word lucky because I don't believe in luck. But I, I, I was very fortunate. I've been very blessed. I've you know, I've lost grandparents. I've lost cousins. But my, my sibling siblings and my mother and father has been uh, fairly um, healthy. And and I, I don't I don't know how to react to this because I preach. I'm a, I'm a preacher of faith. And I'm used to that. I know that God is a healer. I know I know that he is he's great and he is capable and he's still a healer. And I know he doesn't change. I know he hasn't ceased being a healer. And um, but it's I find it hard. I find it hard sometimes to find the strength to worship or, or, or praise God before you see the result. Of your miracle. And see, we're, we live in a world that is obsessed with winning. And when we don't win, uh, I, 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 like I watched that final four, uh, saw grown, well, they're grown men, they're boys to me, but 20, 21 years old, when they lost their game, they, they wept. But then I looked across, there was on the other side of the gym, everybody, all the, the students that was, from, from their school, they were shouting and dancing and, 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 and having a good time. And then the contrast on the other side, I saw those people just, just the grown, grown men crying. And it was over a game. But nonetheless, they, they had lost. And I, I, I got to thinking this morning, but that's how, that's how the world is. When the world loses, they weep. And when they, they when they win, they shout. But only after, only after you win, do you rejoice. But see, in the kingdom of God, it, it, our, our our worship, our praise, our dance, our smile should not be predicated by the result of a W or a win or the good news. And a lot, and, and I, I've talked about this many times before, but I do believe that God a lot of times is apprehensive about giving us things or giving us the evidence of victory simply because people don't learn to thank him or rejoice with him in the middle of a crisis. And see, we're happy when the bills are paid, but only after. And we find joy only, only, only time we find it is when we get good news. But when we get bad news, we get down and depressed and, and, and is, we, we get the, the pest, this pessimistic mentality. And God knew that when Egypt, the, the Israel got delivered out of Egypt. And my mind always goes back to, to that one instance that, 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 that they get to their, uh, their Jericho and they're looking at the walls of Jericho. And before that they could, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I, haven't, I don't have any evidence of them griping or complaining. But I do know that it was in their DNA. They were accustomed. They're, I mean, I know the generation died off. That, that It was only two that came out of there, Joshua and Caleb. And they were the only ones that, that, that were there with them that had been there. 
when when they came back the first time and, and gave remember they gave the evil report, Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of that generation that was living that, that crossed the Jordan. And and but God, it seems as though that God cut them off before they started murmuring and complaining because God knew it that Jericho would never fall if they started getting back into the the rut of griping and complaining. And he he makes he silences them for six whole days. And uh, actually, I think it was it was actually most of the seven, but it was after the the time that they marched around the walls of Jericho the last time. Then they worship. Then they praise. Then they begin to lift their voice. Then they begin to blow the trumpets. Then they begin to to lift up G, the name of Jesus. And then the walls fell. And and I, I got to thinking about that. I've been down and depressed, and I'm just admitting it, and I'm, I'm supposed to be the one stand up here and tell you that I have it all together, whatever. If you think that of me, then 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 you've got it all wrong, because I, I'm simply a man. And every time, Brother Wilson, that I go to my mother's house, I see her grow weaker, and I see uh, her not not doing well at all. She She cried the other night. Just because she was in pain and she's she she just grows worse every no better. We pray the more we pray, it gets worse. And I was I was up this morning praying early. I was thinking, God, I need something to shout about. And God pricked my heart. and He said, well, how much do you want? And he began to show me things that he has done in the past that I should. I should already have joy in my heart, regardless of what's in front of me. And that's a hard thing. And I'm just being real this morning. That's a hard thing to be right in the middle of the worst battle of your life, to find the power, find the strength, find the ability to still stand up and worship God. That's when you know a, that you're, you're looking at a Christian, man or a woman, somebody that's going through hell and high water that still worships God. Sister Sims is she's she's here this morning and she's 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 dealing with this MS, dealing with this pain continually, dealing with mind battles, dealing with pain, and suffering. And, and uh, she's she's not in the most pleasant place uh, in her mind, in her body and, and where she lives in the physical realm. And she's she's uh, the doctors can't they say they can't do anything else. Right. They only they only uh, give her medicine to help her cope. With 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 the pain and with the discomfort, and that's the best thing that they can do. But I, then I'm sitting up here on the platform, and I look out here, and Sister Sims, if anybody has a right to sit down, a justifiably uh, right to sit down and gripe, it's Sister Sims. But she's at church; she can't stand. She comes in here in a wheelchair, and she's got her hand in the air. See, she's, she's worshiping before she sees the result of the victory. And this is one thing that I've got to get through this big, thick skull. And this is one thing I've got to get through this, this calloused heart at times is this. That if God doesn't do what we want Him to do right now, we know good and well when we have a new body, everything's going to be okay. 
And I don't want to accept the fact that there's a possibility that my mother may not make it. I don't want to say it. She's probably watching this morning. I don't want to even say it or, 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 or ruin her faith or tear it down. But there is a possibility. But I've got to have the mentality, the same mentality that the three Hebrew boys had when they said, if God doesn't deliver me, I'm still not going to bow to the world. And I'm, I still believe that God is God. He's still a healer. And he's still on the throne. He's not changed. And I believe that's that's the vast difference. Somebody asked, and we always I always we talk about the Philippines and and Ethiopia, why they have these hundred thousand soul revivals and these things that they happen and these miracles and 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 and, and legs uh, that are broken. Go, God puts them back and all these things. I, I, I I've searched and I thought, what's the difference? We're people. Does he love? The Filipino people more than he loves us? Does he love the Ethiopian people more than he loves us? What's the difference? I mean, because when, because the fact is, as far as organized church, we're good at it. And even, Sister Crowell, on a bad night, when you, when you don't have the, uh, the, the, uh, any musicians or you don't have as much singers or things doesn't seem like it's going right, as far as doing it really good, having church really good, our bad night or our off day is really good in comparison to some of what they had when I showed up at the church over in the Philippines uh, one night, and this is why they're raising money. They, the, they, the, the man, he was so proud of having church, and we get there, and it's outside, it's a lean-to, and right outside the door is where the toilet is, and, and I thought, oh my goodness, we're very fortunate. And they go there, get there, and they baptize six people, six people get the Holy Ghost, and umpteen people that are there, everybody gets healed, and they have an apostolic move of God. And then they, do you know what their problem was? They had to worry about the problem, what the lights, because they didn't have any... And it wasn't the air conditioner because they didn't have it. Their problem was, is who are we going to get to preach Monday? Because we're going on with revival and it, God is so good. That was their greatest problem. And I walked in that one church Sunday morning to preach. The, the drum kit was broken. The, 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 the kid was playing with this. The, the, the cymbals were all cracked and falling apart. Everything was falling apart. And the guy didn't have all the strings on his guitar. Most of us would lay the music musician, uh, the, the guitar down because it didn't have all the strings. We probably wouldn't play the drums because it wasn't up to par. But they were worshiping God. I want to know the difference. That's what I want to know. And the only thing that I can think of is they they worship God before they see the result of their miracle. And we're waiting for our victory to walk to us and come to us. And we say we're not worshiping until we see it. Or we're not going to worship God until the Spirit hits us. Or we're not going to worship God until we feel goosebumps. I'm not going to raise my hands until I feel an unction. I'm going to tell you what. If we're if you're waiting on an unction to, to worship God, you're never going to feel it. Hear me. Because the Bible says that we should clap your hands for joy. Lift up your voice for joy. For it. And that's the difference. I, I, I mean, that's, that, that, that's the only thing that I can think of. Because I know that God loves me just as much as he loves uh, uh, the Pastor Levi. I know it. 
But they're doing something right. And America's, America's, we've got to have everything right. And so, my, my, so with all that being said, God said, well, why don't you start talking about the goodness of, uh, uh, of Jesus instead of, instead of hoping that something better is going to happen? Why don't you start testifying? Because, and this is where Brother Krause, he, he, he let me know that I was in the Holy Ghost this morning. And I don't have it all together. I don't have notes. I don't have any Bible verses. All I, I'm up here doing is trying to build somebody's faith. I mean, and, and let you know that God has done an awful lot for you. He's done an awful lot for you. Say, well, my bank account's empty, blah, blah, blah. Your kids are healthy. Your grandkids are healthy. Your husband's healthy. Your wife's healthy. And he's done all these things for you, and you're ignoring the obvious. It's just like the children of Israel. When shoes were growing on their feet, and they found something to gripe about. And I'll challenge anybody that, that wants to study it, you go, the vast majority of the great miracles that happened to the people of God happened in the wilderness and not in Canaan. You go back and study it. You look at the miracles that happened in the wilderness versus what happened in Canaan. Canaan, I mean, Canaan was a miracle in itself, but not one time in Canaan you see shoes grow on their feet. Manna fell from heaven. Cloud by day led them around. He was with them every time. Fire by night uh, led them around. All these miracles happened, and those people were so obsessed with either the past or they were so obsessed with the future that they ignored the present blessings that was happening to them now. And a whole generation died off simply because they could not acknowledge what God had done for them in the wilderness. Some of them, and this is the way we do in the church age, we go, they, they, people say, well, we had it better off back then. We had it better off back in Egypt. If we could only go back in Egypt. And then there was those that said, was thinking, well, if we could go into Canaan, if we could just get to Canaan, and not a one of them paused, except Joshua and Caleb, paused to say, you know what, just yesterday, my shoes were wearing out, and I woke up this morning, and God renewed them and put new soles on them. They grew on their feet clothes and shoes, and every day they got up, hot bread was falling from the portals of heaven. God did all this stuff, and you know what they were worrying about? Can, can God feed us? That's one of the, the things they were worried. And the, the thing is, as a church, what, what we have got to do, if God wants, if we're expecting God to do miracles in the future, we've got to embrace the miracles that he is doing right now and thank him for the miracles that he's already done. And so, I want to ask you something. How much time have we spent? Simply thinking back, looking back, and counting the blessings. How much time do you, we do that? It's getting hot. How, how many times do we do that? Do we, do we really simply take the time? I, I, I know that I don't. Uh, my, my dad's not here, but I'll tell you, that, that's one guy doesn't he sits back and goes man the lord's been so good to us he's done this and he does this and he starts naming things he's done all these things and my mom's laying over in the bed weak hurting in pain and he stands over i saw this he stands over her and he says you remember when this happened he's building her faith and the smile that that goes across her face is priceless to me 
Because despite the pain, my mother lays there and remembers how good Jesus has been. So in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of your pain, what you need to do is reach back into the files of your mind and pull out a testimony and, say, and start thanking God for it. You supplied this need. You did this. You healed this. You healed my grandson. You healed my granddaughter. You healed my daughter. You healed my son. You healed my mother. And start naming them and start counting your blessings. And I can promise you that the blessings that you have gotten in your life that you never deserve, I promise you that they will outweigh every bad thing that's happened to you in your life. And so God, so this morning, I don't know. I know it's different. Hey, I have a clock now. I can't see it because these glasses doesn't matter anyway. So I, 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 um, I, I began to, I sat in my office yesterday and I was supposed to be working. I thought, I've got to preach twice tomorrow. I, I need something. Lord, what do you want me to say? And I had some things that I was going to do. And God began to speak to me. He said, I want you to build their faith. And I want you to talk about the goodnesses, the goodness of Jesus. And it wasn't no mistake that I found this. And I, I've got this. And I'm going to pass this around. And I'm going to tell this story. Some of you have heard about this, but I want to tell it again. I want to tell it again. His name was Josh. He's, he was 16 years old. He was in a car accident. He wasn't raised in the church. Got hurt really bad. And, and the, the, the details uh, of this story is, is, is pretty tragic. Um, people died in this, but he is, his life was spared. And um, his face actually in this, in this car accident had, had completely been torn off of his skull. His, the top of his skull had been ripped and crushed beyond repair. And some of the nurses, I showed this to, to Sister Amber uh, earlier, and uh, she looked at this, and she, she's seen, uh, what, what is this called? This is, it's not an x-ray, but it's an MRI? Ultrasound, MRI? Okay, well... This, this, this is evidence. And I'm glad I found it. I hadn't seen it in a long time. It was, it was in some of my uh, papers back there. And I'm going to pass it around. But here's the story. His face was crushed. His head was crushed. And they literally had to take and they had to cut the top, the rest of his crushed skull, and remove it pieces and remove it. I'd never even heard of this before. Didn't even know it was possible. But it, it, it happened. It was a fact. That they put a cadaver's bone, somebody uh, dedicated their body to science and, uh, and their organs to science. And they took his skull and they put this guy's skull on this young man's skull. Now, I'd never heard of it. it, it, it not making a joke. I'm just telling you, I, I would, it was something you'd see on a Twilight Zone show. I would have never guessed that that was even possible. And, and he's telling me this story comes up to get prayed for. And he's telling me, and I could see the scar all around his head, his wife, and he had a baby daughter, and he's, he comes up to me and said, we are desperate in prayer. I said, what happened? He tells me this story. It was like three minutes long, and he tells me my head was crushed. They took the bone off, and they placed uh, another bone on my head, and they, they uh, went through the process and, 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 and having it heal, and it began to rot, Brother Caldwell, and it didn't take. So they had to take it back off, and they had to put... Another cadaver's bone. I don't know how many of those things they must have had in storage. I mean, who has those things? And they put that thing back on his head. And they said, if this doesn't help, 
if this doesn't take, we can't do anything else. And it was the nice way of the doctor to tell him that you're beyond help. You will die. They said what will happen is if it, if it begins to rot, uh, it will begin to leak into your brain. Infection will set in. And the only thing that we can do is give you strong antibiotics to fight it as long as we can. Eventually, you won't be here. And he said, he looks at me. He said, sir, I don't want to die. And so I felt led. My two, two, uh, Jacob and Tyler were there. Uh, and also, uh, there was another little girl that I had seen worship. She was such a, a powerful worshiper, sitting on the uh, second or third row, like 11 or 12 years old. God had healed her. I didn't know this. God had healed her of stage four uh, cancer. And uh, she was a miracle. And she was up there worshiping God and giving God praise. So she had a lot of faith. And I'm just going to be honest with you, Brother Dan. When he told me the severity of the issue... The first, my first thought was, it's not going to happen. I mean, if, if there's any more, anybody here that's more spiritual than me, I, I mean, if you just went up there and said, it's going to happen, it's going to, everything's going to be all right. He had a hole in his head and they said, we can't do anything else from you, for you. And I, I, I said, you know what? I think at the time I was young in my ministry, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take the pressure off myself. I'm going to let some other kids pray for you. And that, that's what, I mean, I, I actually felt led for them kids to lay hands on this young man and pray for him. And they did. And I'm, I'm going to pass this around. And I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that, um, and I want everybody to see this. It's going to take a few minutes, but I want you to pass it around. I want inside that paper on the front is is evidence of the hole in that guy's in, in that guy's head. And it was eaten completely to his brain. You could actually see the indention of the bone that started eating away in his head. You could see it. Those kids laid hands on him and prayed for him. And I'm telling you, if I'm I'm telling you the truth that in that service. God filled that bone cavity in that hole and healed that man as soon as that service. We began to pray for him and God healed him. He walked out of there with that hole in his head fixed. Now, your first thought as a human, you're going to say, well, maybe he didn't have a hole there. So when he called me after he got the news, I said, you know what I want? I want evidence. Isn't that what we want? Because I, I may have been wrong, but I wanted evidence for myself because there was, a, there was a, a little bit of me that didn't believe it. So I said, well, you had to have a picture of where the hole was. And I said, I want you to go back to that doctor and I want you to get a picture of your head so I can see where that hole filled in. He said, I'll do it. I don't know what he went through to get that picture. But he calls me and said, listen, God filled that hole in my head and I'm completely healed. And I don't have to go. I don't have to go back to the doctor. Completely healed. 
And so there's evidence. And I wish I wish I, I had evidence of all these miracles that happened. And here's a couple things I've seen evidence. Brother Sullivan, uh, he was uh, had this deal in the, in the Philippines. And if you've never uh, seen the picture or, or uh, heard of the book that he wrote called Fat Bones, he named it Fat Bones. I think actually Sister Carolyn had the idea of the of the um, um, of the book. It wasn't a play on words. It wasn't a, 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 a joke to people that were heavier. He she called it Fat Bones. There's a scripture in the Bible. Look that scripture up. I don't I can't quote it, but it, it it's it's a it's a, uh, a scripture about blessings. And so he he said that there was a guy tells the story of a of a guy that was in a gang in, in uh, the Philippines. And Sister Raquel, it in the Philippines have a lot of gangs, like gangs and crime running rapid, especially rampant in Manila. Lots of gangs, uh, murder and thieves, and all these gangs. Brother Sullivan tells the story where this guy was was. Uh, Baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was one of the gang leaders in these gangs in in Manila, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know how long it was after, but there is a picture in his book where this man uh, of, of the evidence of of in, uh, of what happened. This man was sitting on the front steps of, of the church that he was now pastoring, and a former gang member that had. Uh, come to kill him that had evidence that I guess this guy knew things about people and he knew that if this guy told that he would get in trouble and this guy wanted to kill him they said let's just eliminate him and we'll just kill him because he's a witness to our wrongdoing so they sent this guy to kill this man that brother Sullivan uh, knew and there's pictures of the book where the guy walks up with a 45 Anybody know what a 45, you guys know what a 45 uh, pistol is? Big old shells. I've got a 45 pistol at home. And at point blank, he stood up and he shoots him five times in the midsection. Right here. Close. Probably not any farther than five or six feet. Shot him five times. And all five rounds went through his clothes and hit him in the belly. And they mushroomed. In other words, they flattened out. They hit his body and flattened out and fell to the ground. And the only thing that he had was a little scratch on his belly. It went through his shirt. And Brother Sullivan had pictures of the of the of the rounds. I've got that book somewhere. I need to find it and show you those pictures. But those things fell to the ground. And that man, all he had was a little scratch, a couple scratches or something on his on his belly from those shots that went through and it's just another thing that god done and sometimes we when we hear about miracles the first thing that we want to do is say well either the doctor was wrong or that really didn't happen that way but there is true evidence that god is a healer and i want you to look at that picture when it passes around to you and let it remind you that it doesn't matter how bad things are in your life that god can still heal he can still heal and sometimes he'll leave, up, he'll, he'll leave it to us to encourage ourselves. That's what he did with David when David 
was standing there after his the people that once loved him was plotting to kill him after uh, after he they said he was responsible for the women our women and our wives and our children being taken you're you're responsible for it David so the one that they called the light of Israel the one that they called their giant killer the one that was anointed king he's now being sought to being killed and they, imagine imagine being a, a, I don't know how that feels. I know a little bit about how people once loved you and all of a sudden they turn their back on you. They don't like you. But the Bible says that David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And most of the time, that's where we live. We'll be around. We need encouragement. We need help. But we can't leave it up to the... And I'm here for you. The church is here for you. But you can't base every, all your encouragement on everybody else. Because most of the time, it's going to only be you. That's why you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And encourage yourself in the Lord. And that's what I'm doing. I, that's what I'm doing here today. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord and reminding myself of how powerful Jesus really is. That he is steely healer. In that same church service, in that same church service, God done, I'm sure, many things, but two things that I, I do know that he done in that church service that God healed that man's head. Was this woman came, and it, I think you'll understand me when I tell you that she didn't look apostolic, and I'll just leave it right there. She was really the other way. I mean, really, uh, she... she uh, her clothing, everything about her. She just she just didn't look like she was very modest. She wasn't in church. You could tell it. She smelled of uh, of, of the world and every everything about her. You could tell. And she comes up and she's desperate. She's after a miracle. And her son was a pre uh, premature newborn baby. And she said, my son is at home and we almost lost him. And we're we're, 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 he's trying to hold on to life, and she, he is blind because he, when he was born premature, I guess it's one of the eyes or the one of the last things to to uh, uh, mature before the baby's actually born. And a premature baby, a lot of times they'll have eye problems. I don't know a whole lot about it, but that's just what she said. And she said, "My baby will be blind for the rest of his life." They they told me that your son will be blind, but we are going to do a surgery. There is new technology. We are going to do a surgery. And at best, we're hoping that your son will eventually see shadows. That's it. To be able to see shadows. I said, where's your son at? And they said, they said, well, he's too frail to bring him to church. He's at home. He's on oxygen. And we just want you to pray. And she stood in for him. And we prayed. That same kids prayed for this, this lady. I think we actually prayed for this lady before we prayed for Josh. And so we, we prayed for her. And, and, and God, you could see it visually. She began to weep because she was crying over her son. And God touched, touched her in a great way. Well, she went home and uh, I had found out about this miracle, this Josh, uh, before I found out about the miracle of this baby. Well, I get a call and it's the pastor. He said, you're not going to believe it. Said they brought that baby in the next week to give that baby uh, his surgery. And they uh, brought another doctor in. Because it was such a, uh, 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 the surgery was such an important vital surgery. This man flew in from another state, 
across the United States to help in the surgery. And they went in to be able to start working on his eyes. They put the baby under and they started the process of doing the surgery. And the doctor grabs the wrist of the doctor. This is how the story was told me. The doctor grabs the wrist of this doctor and he takes it. He said, this son, this baby, we've got the wrong kid in here. We've got the wrong kid. The doctor's angry. Because some, there was a mess up at the do, uh, in his mind. They got the wrong boy in here. He gets on the phone. He says, listen, where's our, where, where is our patient? He's in there. This, this kid's got the wrong bracelet on his arm. This is not the, the, the boy, the little baby that we, we, we was going to operate on. And because he, this is his eye. This, there's nothing wrong with this kid's eyes. And they said, this, Kid is the one that needed his, uh, the surgery. And they couldn't understand it because the doctor said, well, this kid's eyes is brand new and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And, I, and I'm, I'm here to tell you today, in that, in that service, God went in there and done the surgery before that baby went to that hospital. About three years later, three years later, I go to preach in in. Uh, Henderson, Kentucky. It was at where's Sister Laurie at? At Sister Laurie's old church. Went there to preach, and after I preached on a Friday night, I, I, this lady walks up to me and she shakes my hand. She said, "How are you?" I said, "I'm fine." And I could tell she 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 actually knew me. I was this was before Facebook. This was before I knew uh, that I would think I would know her other than 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 any other way. And she's like, "You don't remember me, do you?" I said, "No." This woman's apostolic. You could tell. I mean, she 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 was she she was ladylike. She was modest. She said, "I got filled with the Holy Ghost after you prayed for my son, and God healed him of his eyes." She said, "I said, no, you you're so and so." She said, "Yes." She said, "But one thing I want to tell you." She said, I didn't tell you then. She said, I didn't know anything about Jesus. And she said, I, I was, I, I only had heard of a story about a man named Bartimaeus. And she said, I knew that Jesus could heal the blinded eyes. She said, but I didn't, I didn't really understand it. Uh, she said, so I heard that story and she said, but I, I, my son had a lot more problems than, than needing his sight back. I said, oh, I don't understand what you mean. She said, well, my son was also deaf. And she said it didn't stop there. They said that he would never walk. That he had an issue with his body and his spine. He had been so deformed, she said, and she didn't come right out. She said, she said, at the fall of mine, whether it was drugs or whether it was misuse of something that she had, her son was in this state. And she said, I had to live with the thought that it was my fault that my son would be forever blind and deaf and never be able to walk and never be never be able to make it on his own because his mind was never be fully developed. And she said he would be. Mentally challenged for the rest of his life, and and he was he was he was beyond help. And she said, "But I only asked 
She said, God, I've heard in my simplistic way. She said, I heard that Jesus healed a blind man named Bartimaeus. My grandma told me that story. She said, but I didn't know that he could heal his legs and heal his ears and heal his mind. She said, so I didn't bother asking for that. I didn't bother asking. She said, because I didn't know that he could do those things as if Jesus was just a specialty in eye surgery. And she said, but I want to show you something. And I didn't know what this little boy had been running around, running, running, running. Now kids do in church. And she said, called his name out. And he stopped. And he comes walking up to me and he looks at me. And he's three years old. She said, when you prayed for him, Jesus healed his eyes. She said, then he healed his ears. And she said, the doctors say he, his mind is perfectly fine. He'll go to school, never have any problems with his mind. And she said, obviously, you can see he's walking. She said, I didn't know Jesus could do all that. And she said, since he healed, him all, healed all of them, she said, it gave me enough faith that I could put my life back together. Now, hear me, I... I I don't wish I could take credit for that. It made me feel good at my ministry. It happened. But the fact is, I didn't even, I didn't even, I I don't even know if I laid hands and prayed for that woman. But it was those kids that prayed for them. Not the preacher. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with my abilities or whatever. It was those kids' faith. They prayed for that person. And I begin to think about those things in my life and what I've seen. And, and God is telling me today, it doesn't matter how bad your situation is. It doesn't matter how bad my mother is. That Jesus can still heal. He can still heal. He can still deliver. He can still heal. We think that we think he can do only do certain things. That's how our mind works. It really does. And a lot of times, a lot of times we, we, we think, well, uh, you know, I've seen God heal this. I have faith that he can heal that. And there's other things that we haven't seen God do. And so we have a hard time a lot of times believing that. And, and that's a problem. I, I, I talk an awful lot about this. But when we base our faith, a lot of times we base it by sight. What we've seen God do. And we say, well, I, you know. God can do that, but I don't know about this. This is too big. And we start, we get our measuring stick out and we go, well, that's, that's a big miracle. Well, I know that God can do this miracle because I've seen him do that. But I've never seen him do this. And when we, we, we get a, a, in a rut because we, put, we start labeling God. And when we start labeling God, we start limiting God. And what we've got to do is stop, stop looking at God like we look at ourselves or looking at men. Because with men, it's impossible. But with God, all. Oh, you know, you're not hearing me. I said, all things are possible. All things are possible. No, I want you to say it. All things are possible. No, I want you to say, all Things are possible. All things are possible. 
And it doesn't matter how bad the things may be. We look in the scripture, as, except for Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. That was a that was a great miracle. Obviously, he resurrect he was resurrected. But when we look at resurrections in the Bible, we see three resurrections. We see Jairus's daughter. We see the widow named son. And then we see that of Lazarus. And if you look at all three of those resurrections. Every all they all had one thing in common: they were all dead. But if you look at those resurrections, you'll see that there was different severities, if there's even such thing, of the dead. Say, what do you mean by that? I'll I'll tell you what I mean. Jairus' daughter had just died. And her body was still warm. And human nature would look at that miracle and say, you know, that that was a pretty good miracle. But then you would say, well, you know what? There's, there's probably one a little bit better. There's probably another miracle. The widow of Nain's son, they was on a, on their way to a funeral procession and they were getting ready to bury her son. And, and that was a better miracle than that of Jairus' daughter. Right? We look at those miracles and we start measuring them. And then somebody could make the argument, well, if you think that's a great miracle, you should, Look at the one that Jesus had to go when he went to Lazarus. And the Bible says he had been dead for four days. And by now, he stinks. His body began to decay. And human nature, would we, we would rate those miracles. We've all done it. We've all done it. And whether you like to admit it or not, you've done it. Because, let's face it, somebody that's got a toothache, that's a great, great miracle. But when God heals cancer, we go, we, we shout a little bit harder. I have a point I'm making. Just, be, just give me a few minutes. We, 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 we shout louder, louder for certain miracles. Somebody has a headache, God heals them, we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody has a tumor in their brain, then we, we really get with it. Oh, God really did it. Like, like it was a little bit harder for God to work. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of confirmation. I'm looking at y'all. I'm, I'm telling you, that that's the way our mind works. As if God had to work a little bit harder for some things. And, well, that's, that's not too hard for God. He don't have, let me tell you something. There is nothing too hard for God. Nothing too hard for God. And so, the fact is, that every single one of those pe- people were resurrected. Jesus walks in there. She had only been dead for a few minutes, a little bit. He resurrected her, the widow named son. They were on their way to bury their son. And, and, uh, and then we got the one that Jesus healed, that of Lazarus. And, and that's how we, that's how we rate our issues and rate our problems. Some of you have issues, problems that Oh, there's, there may be just a little bit of hope. Your problem just died. And then there's some of you that have the mentality of the widow of son. Your problem, it's been dead for a couple, uh, a day or two. You're on your way to bury it. And then there's some of you, probably more so of you, like me, 
that you look at your situation and go, you know what? There's absolutely no way. By now, my problem stinks. It's been buried. It's been forgot about it. Jesus, if you would have showed up when I asked you to show up, and if you would have come when I prayed the first time, if you would have just done what I tell, told you to do, then it, it maybe, maybe, just maybe, there would have been some chan- a chance. But since he's in the ground, or since my problems by now stinks, uh, there's absolute, it's all falling apart and there's absolutely nothing. Anybody can do it and you, do for it and you just give up. Some of you have issues, problems that you, you dealt with for so long, you just stopped praying. You stop praying because you give up because you think it's, it's, it's too far beyond the reach of God. And this morning, this morning, I feel I feel strongly in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody this. It doesn't matter how bad things are in your life, that God can work despite the conditions. See, we're in the middle of our problems, and we don't understand that God is on the outside of the problem looking in. He's not part of the problem. He is not the problem. He is the Lord over our issues, and he can heal anything, resurrect anything. There's no drug addiction that cannot be delivered. There's no death that cannot be resurrected. There's no wall that cannot be crumbled. There is nothing that's impossible with Jesus Christ, and we've got to throw away the notion that we're defeated. There's no way that we can't win. We can win. We have got to stand to our feet and look the enemy in the eye and say, you know what? We win regardless. We are winners. And I'm not at liberty to tell this, this right now, but I'm just going to tell you, there was a situation that we had in the church that the problem looked like there is absolutely no way it's going to happen. And the people that was involved said there is absolutely no way anything can take, it, it, this can take place. It's beyond anything. And the powers that be were against these people. And this church, this church stood up and they prayed. They prayed and they were bold about it. I can't wait for the testimony to come. I'm not, I can't say it, but I'm telling you, when it comes, this church better worship God. Because this issue that I'm talking about, it was a Lazarus issue. There is, there is absolutely no way in, in God's green earth that this was supposed to happen. And this church stood up in boldness and spoke it. You, no, I, I, had, I had you speak it into existence. We commanded it to happen. We didn't even just ask for it to happen. We commanded for it to happen. And I'm telling you that right after that, God went in there and, and dealt with the people that were stood against these people, softened their heart, and the walls completely fell and answered their problem. So... Here's what I want. This is what I want. Sunday morning, everybody's tired. You got your chickens in the roaster. You got whatever, your food, whatever you're going to eat. Texas Roadhouse is waiting on you. I know how it is. Tonight, we are going to come together. And we are going to come expecting a miracle. See, 
And, and our expectation is, gonna, is going to determine how desperate we are. We are going to come tonight expecting a miracle. The only people, Brother Davis, you, you've studied this scripture, you know it. The only people that God healed in the scripture were people that had an expectation. The people that didn't expect, the people in Nazareth walked away with cancers, walked away with all kinds of uh, disabilities and, 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 and problems that they could have had healed. They could have had healed. Imagine having Jesus standing in front of you and you're dying of a sickness. And you walk away from him, untouched, un- unchanged, and he leaves you. And he walks five miles down to, to uh, uh, I think it was Capernaum. He walks five miles down the road, preaches the same message. And the Bible says every manner of sickness and disease was healed. But in Nazareth, only a few sick folk got healed. Could you imagine having the, 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 the Alpha and the Omega stand in front of you? You, had, you needed healing in your body. Your daughter was sick or dying with a, some kind of disease. Your son was sick, and he was right there, and you walked away and didn't have him healed. It's the same process today. We come in, this church, in, in the church, we have opportunities. He's here. Jesus is here, and we have opportunity, and he, we walk out unchanged. And then we walk out and blame him. And the difference between the people in Nazareth and the people five miles down the road was their lack of expectation. So tonight, I'm putting this in your heart and your spirit. That we're going to come tonight expecting. So I'm going to put you on the spot. If you expect something, I want you to stand. If you expect him to do something for you, I'm not asking you to run the aisles this morning. I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you, if you expect something to happen tonight, I want you to lift your voice in your hands. Come on, whatever that need is. Say, I don't. I don't really have any needs. I'm telling you, you have a daughter, you have a son, you have children, you have you have. Husbands and wives backslid. You have grandchildren. You have needs. You have sicknesses in your family. And we got Jesus here that can meet your need. And so tonight we're going to come in here and we're going to worship him for the victory. We're going to worship before we see the result of our, our, of our healing. We're going to lift our voices before we see the result of our healing. Let's do that right now, just for a few moments. Lord, I don't see any healing taking place, but I'm worshiping. Lord, I don't see any results of my mother getting any better, but I'm thanking you before it happens. I'm going to worship you before it happens. Lord, I need joy, but I'm not going to wait to clap my hands before I get joy. Hallelujah. Let's worship Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have to be dismissed, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. If you want to pray and worship the Lord, you can.